5: Well, good day and happy podcast to you. Welcome to episode 59 of Attaboy Clarence, coming up to the old diamond anniversary. Do remember that I am always happy to accept any diamonds that you don't require. Talking of giving things to people, I will be drawing the winner of the War of the Worlds CD later, so do keep listening for that. Well, it's quite a week for classic cinema. The golden age of Hollywood is on everyone's lips once more, due to the 100th birthday of the magnificent Miss Olivia de Havilland. Can you believe it? 100 years old, and after having seen the photographs of her in her Paris apartment, she still retains that unmistakable twinkle in her eye rather believe that sitting right now in her Paris apartment is the maid Marion who played opposite Errol Flynn in The Adventures of Robin Hood, who played Melanie Wilkes in Gone with the Wind, who starred in the unbelievably funny It's Love I'm After opposite Leslie Howard, who himself died 73 years ago. Countless other roles, of course. I'm sure you all have your favourites. Cherish her, world. Cherish her. To put her longevity into perspective for you, just Just look at the AFI tribute to James Cagney, which took place in 1974. That's 42 years ago. Well, Cagney personally thanked her on stage as part of his original Warner Brothers gang. In fact, he mispronounced her name.
2: Uh, I must express my gratitude to that wonderful group in the early days at Warners, Joni Blondell, at the risk of a bit of repetition, I think you'll bear with me, Betty Davis, Odia de Havilland, Olivia de Havilland, and little May Clark who got the citrus massage. Uh, May, I'm glad we did not use the omelet, which was called for in one of the earliest scripts. I'll bet you're glad too. Well, anyway, that could have been a bit messy. And the other, other friends and co-workers of the, of the uh, early times, my old friend Frankie McHugh, Pat O'Brien, who isn't here tonight, but Eloise, bless her, and she's here with her son, Terry, and Ralph Bellamy, Alan Jenkins, George Tobias, Alan Hale, Billy Wellman, Lloyd Bacon, Bob Montgomery, Raoul Walsh, and the unforgettable Michael Curtis, Howard Hawks, Bill Keeley, and Harvey Perry, a stuntman who hung a cauliflower on me my ear in the first fight that I had in pictures. <laughs> I remember him well. And uh, Jack JL, Jack Warner, who gave me a name I shall always cherish, affectionately, mind you. The professional against her. (laughs) But we're old now and full of understanding, and that's all water over the dam.
5: Twelve years later, he died, and he died 30 years ago. We are so lucky that she is still in the world. What a remarkable lady and still so beautiful. Anyway, happy birthday to you, Mr. Haviland, and happy centenary to you. What an incredible life. The next episode will definitely be dedicated to Mr. Haviland. but for now, I am sure that you will all join me in raising a glass to her continuing health. Well, on with the show! If you were caught in
6: the middle of traffic, or if you just saved yourself from being drawn out to sea by the undertow,
5: you'd have a right to feel nervous and jumpy and jittery. So hang on, if I was run over by a car or started drowning in the sea, I'd have the right to feel a little jittery, would
6: I? When that nervousness is due to little things, when you jump because somebody speaks to you suddenly, when you're ready to blow up at the mere sound of the neighbor's piano, then it's time you looked into the cause of that jumpiness.
5: Yes, the neighbor's piano.
6: Or it might be something you could easily remedy. Something as simple as giving up coffee, perhaps. Hang on a minute. Although there are many people who can drink coffee without becoming nervous and jittery, there are many others who can't. So if you suspect coffee upset your nerves, switch to post them. I knew it. Postum again. For Postum contains no caffeine or any other stimulants that could possibly set your nerves on edge. And it's an ideal mealtime beverage. Tempting to look at, fragrant to smell, and delicious to taste. So if coffee's been making you nervous and jittery, Start drinking Postum regularly and see if those nerves of yours don't steady
5: down. So there you have it. If you've been run over, drowned, and then driven mad by your neighbor's piano, drink some fake coffee. Maybe you have a question. Well, throw it into the question pot. Strangely, there is no next line. Well, maybe I'll read your question. Out on this show or maybe not Now here's someone with a handbell. Well, another bumper week of questions for the old question pot The first one is from Anna, who asks Who is your favourite that guy? A character actor that's in a million movies but whose name people might not know or remember Good question, I actually have a few of that guys How about a top ten? At number 10, Henry Travers, a.k.a. the wise old scientist in James Wales' The Invisible Man, a.k.a. the put-upon father in Shadow of a Doubt, a.k.a. Clarence the Angel from It's a Wonderful Life, the very character who gave this podcast its name.
0: Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody? AS2? What's that AS2? Angel, second
5: class. (laughs) At number nine, the marvellous Miss Lillian Randolph, the greatest actress you've never heard of. Not only did she provide some solid wisdom throughout her movie career in films like It's a Wonderful Life and The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, she then enjoyed a huge run of success on radio in The Great Gildersleeve and Beulah. Not only that, but she's the original voice of Mammy Two-Shoes in all those Tom and Jerry cartoons you love. Thomas! Eight, the ridiculously beautiful Ruth Hussey, best known for her wise-cracking turn as Elizabeth Imbry in The Philadelphia Story, but who also lit up dozens of Golden Age classics, including The Women, Another Thin Man and The Uninvited.
7: Here, Mike, there's a little spit in your eye. It shows.
5: At seven, Eugene Pallet, the man with the voice like a bullfrog in a barrel, who always played everyone's favourite father-slash-policeman-slash-priest. One of the Golden Age's most comforting sights was to see his name on the credits of such movies as Topper, The Adventures of Robin Hood, My Man Godfrey, The Mark of Zorro. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, the list never ends. Well, it does end, but yeah. This whole district...
0: From the hills of
5: Paducah to the shores of Del Rey is a stench in the nostrils of heaven. Number six, Lionel Atwill, the man who always added a touch of class to the most ridiculous of surroundings, whether he was a police inspector in House of Dracula or a mad doctor in everything else he ever did. His career, unfortunately, suffered in the 40s when he was embroiled in a sex scandal, but his legacy has thankfully survived due to some consistently wonderful screen choices.
8: The needle to the last. Eh, Holmes?
5: At five, the greatest femme fatale of them all Miss Gail Sondergaard the lady who practically defined the phrase darkly mysterious female in Sherlock Holmes and the Spider Woman she proved more than a match for Basil Rathbone's Holmes and if she hadn't been so naturally glamorous she would have played the Wicked Witch of the West in 1939's The Wizard of Oz Google it and you'll see her wardrobe test photographs
7: The difficulty of course was to liquidate you without seeming to have a hand in the business
0: An interesting problem. You have, of course, arrived at a solution. Naturally.
5: At four, the master of the double-take, Mr. Edward Everett Horton, who always played the fussy investor or the impresario in the Fred and Ginger movies. During the 1930s, he popped up in some of the most inventive films of the decade, including Trouble in Paradise and Design for Living and Lost Horizon, and the wilder the shenanigans around him, the funnier it was to see him double-taking his way through the film.
8: Stop that! Will you fool me to 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 call the police? C'est seulement la perfection de la nature. En effet, vous avez exactement l'air d'un chameau. What's that mean in English? The same
4: as it does in French, Monsieur.
5: At three, the man who kicked off this very podcast—the one and only Roland Young. The small, mumbling, unassuming little bloke from England who starred in Topper alongside Cary Grant and The Philadelphia Story alongside Grant, Catherine Hepburn and James Stewart and in Ruggles of Red Gap alongside Charles Lawton and who, without fail, stole the movie from the star every single time. Well, George, dancing, singing.
2: Tra-la-la, tra la with a hey-none-none and a ho
5: At number two, the finest stock player at the Warner Brothers studio, Mr. Alan Jenkins, the man who single-handedly dragged many a turkey out of trouble. The man you most definitely wanted at your side, whether you were a crime lord or a police commissioner. Everyone's best pal. Even in cartoons, he played the voice of Officer Dibble in Top Cat.
0: So, Little Red Riding Hood grabs herself a basket of chow and hot-foots it to her grandmother's. But the wolf, who was hanging around for no good gets a load of it, trotting through the woods and tails it. But he gets to the grandmother's first. The old bag of bones has took a powder, so he grabs one of her bonnets and puts it on and gets into bed and waits for a Little Red Riding Hood with a look on his pan like a hungry tramp taking a hinge at a lunchroom. Now, there's something for you, huh? I look at the way Mike is handling Douglas. You know, I always said that Mike should have gotten married and had children. He's a family man from the heels up.
5: And at number one, without a doubt, my favourite supporting player ever, a man I've mentioned many times before, a name I'm sure you will have guessed by now, the great Eric Blore. In my humble opinion, the greatest scene-stealer of the Golden Age who could always light up an already glittering cast and who was always the best part of any film in which he appeared. Any clip will do him justice, but this one, a clip that I have played for you in the past, I think perhaps sums him up best.
8: Hello? Oh, hello, Jeffrey. Yes, are you there? Of course I'm here. Now, don't shout at me. I'm in jail. Well, that's all right. We don't need you. I'm in jail for battery, and I want you to get me out. I'm at the Susquehanna Street Jail. Susquehanna. Susquehanna. S-U-S Q-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U- You know the thing you play billiards with. Billiards! B-I-L-L. What is this? Uh, A spelling (coughs) B? No, L for larynx. L-A-R-Y. N. No, not M-N. N N as in neighbor. Neighbor, uh, N-E-I-G-H-B, B. 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 You know, the stinging insect. Insect! I-N-S-S. S for symbol. S-Y-Y. Oh. Why? Look, Jeffrey. I'm in jail. W- w- wait a minute. What jail did you say this was? Susquehanna Street Jail. <clears throat> Thank you, indeed. Thank you very much. You. I'm in the subscript. The, the subset uh, jeffrey listen closely do you know where the oak street jail is you do fine i'll have them transfer me there in the morning oh.
5: Have to say, honourable mentions for that list must go to Ward Bond, Sidney Greenstreet, Peter Lorre, Cecil Parker, Hattie McDaniel, Misha Auer, Edward Arnold, George Zuko, Leo G. Carroll, Ralph Bellamy, Alan Hale. It's a huge list. So many amazing people around during that period. Anyway... Next question this week is from Laura McFean, Also on the subject of supporting actors. She asks, if you could cast a movie with only character slash supporting actors, who would you choose and what would the title slash plot be? Ooh, the possibilities. How about Lionel Atwill in Revenge of the Brighton Strangler? Or seeing as how we had Dracula's daughter starring Gloria Holden, how about the wife of Dracula? starring Gail Sondergaard. Wouldn't she have been an amazing Mrs. Dracula? Love to hear yours. Last question today is from Jay Prowse, who asks, if you could take five movies to a desert island, obviously one with a small cinema, what would they be? Well, obviously, they'd have to be films that I absolutely never tire of watching because they'd be on a loop. Therefore, I think my answer may surprise you because there are many films I admire, but not many I could watch on a loop all day, every day, until I got rescued. Therefore, my five would be, and I'm sure this will be controversial, The Roaring Twenties, Rebecca, The Brighton Strangler, Carry On Nurse, and... Pursuit to Algiers. Now, those five are not my top five films of all time. They're just the five films that I could watch over and over again. I know that there are many finer films out there, but I can honestly say that if it was me and those five on a desert island, then I'd be a very happy boy. As long as some Ramsbury gold beer and some ribeye steaks washed up next to me. Now to run away before I get lynched for my heresy. So throw your flippin' questions into the shiny question pot. You might hear your question next time. So until then, get your thinky cap on for the question pot. Okay, that's the end.
6: My complexion's so bad, I hate to go out. Don't be a square.
5: Yeah, don't be a square,
6: please. Try so Ting, the faster way to clear up pimples. Yes, doctors' half-face tests prove Ting Medicated Cream dries up pimples more effectively than any other product tested. Here's why. Boys and girls have overactive oil glands.
5: Mm, is that what they call them?
6: Don't let externally caused pimples spoil your fun. Get Ting Medicated Cream, T-I-N-G.
5: Ooh, wouldn't it be awful if a pimple spoiled your fun? Well, on the bonus patron episode last week, I presented a brilliant comedy with a school theme. And as promised, we're heading back to school this week to look at two films set in and around the educational arena. School movies are a genre all their own, aren't they? Think about all those high school movies of the 80s that were so popular. You always had the bully and the nerd and the dean and the hot girl and the weird best friend. Well, slip on the old school tie and come back in time with me now and you'll see that they had that stuff even back in the 30s and the 40s. So, first up, 1938's A Yank at Oxford starring, get this cast, Robert Taylor, Lionel Barrymore, Maureen O'Sullivan, Vivian Leigh... Edmund Gwen, and for any UK listeners here Mr John Pertwee Old Wurzel Gummidge himself in his very first film role This is the story of Lee Sheridan a cocky American high school sports hero who wins a scholarship to Cardinal College in Oxford While Lee's flashy ways may have been a hit in his native America however his newfound school chums are instantly switched off by what they see as nothing but a Yankee show off I say
0: Sheridan just a minute. Well, if it the Rover over, boys. Ooh, the man remembers us. Positive elephant. Unlike most elephants, however, he's not afraid of mice. Sheridan, I seem to recall vaguely that you run a bit. Yes, that's right. You name the time and the place, and I'll provide the demonstration. Splendid. We're holding freshman track trials in half an hour at the university grounds. I'll put you down for the 440, if you care to join us. Well, so good of you to ask me. <laughs> it's so good of you to come. <laughs> the field's about a mile from here. Of course, you'll need your bike. Oh, no, no, you're wrong again. It's the other guys who'll need their bikes. <laughs> Well, we'll be looking forward frightfully to seeing Well, it's too sweet of you. You're frightfully, frightfully kind, and you've made me frightfully, frightfully happy. Oh, the Yanks are coming. The
2: Yanks are coming.
5: And so follows the story of Lee's attempts to settle into not just polite society, but polite British school life, contending along the way with the beautiful sister of his rival, the crusty old college dean, and the vampish wife of a local bookseller. Oh, plus a rather important boat race. Well, to begin with, you can't, you can't really go wrong with a cast like that, can you? You literally have before you a gallery of stars, and they're all an absolute wow. In this movie it's one of the most delightful 102 minutes you will ever spend with a movie you have pranks and love affairs and fisticuffs and boat races and proud fathers and comedy and pathos it literally hops around out of breath trying to entertain you not one minute of this film is boring it's like a compendium of every high school comedy you've ever loved without all the rubbish parts it's really sweet in some bits too, especially as Lee starts to win over the British boys, but even more so in his relationship with his father, played here by Lionel Barrymore, who's blindly proud of his boy. There's a pretty wonderful section of the film later on, Lee's hit rock bottom, just as his father arrives in England to see how his beloved boy is doing. I won't spoil what happens, but he's rather stupendous. MGM really did a great job here. They filmed the thing entirely in England, too, which really adds to the charm of the thing, as does the script, written in part by none other than F. Scott Fitzgerald. And Roland Pertwee, the father of John Pertwee, obviously pulled a few strings somewhere back there, started a career... Vivian Leigh plays the adulterous bookseller's wife here, who makes a habit of seducing the students. Pretty risque stuff for a 1930s film, really. And although apparently she was an absolute pain in the backside during the making of this film, she was so good in it that it's often credited with being the film that won her the part of Scarlett O'Hara. Certainly you can see a lot of the playfully wicked side of Scarlett O'Hara in her role here. Well, I won't go too much into the plot itself for fear of spoiling anything, but rest assured that you will be thrilled, shocked, and delighted by the film. An absolutely charming A-grade movie. Huh? See what I did there?
0: I beg your pardon, sir. Could you tell me how soon we get to Oxford? Just under the hour, I believe. Please, what you say, that's not bad for these funny little English trains, is it? We find them quite satisfactory. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess they got to be small at that. It's a small country. We could darn near put the whole thing into the state of Nebraska. Doubtless. But with what object? Oh, no, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to pan your country. I think it's swell. I'm over here to go to Oxford myself. Yes, sir, I'm mighty glad to go to Oxford. Of course, compared to where I come from, it may seem kind of slow at first, but I'll soon get used to that. You know, it's funny, but the last thing the dean of my old college said to me was, don't try to change Oxford too much at first, so I'm not going to. That's very gratifying. <laughs> uh, by the way, how many colleges are there at Oxford? I couldn't say. Well, oh, do you know how many students there are there? Young man, any information regarding the University of Oxford, the ancient buildings of Oxford, the climate and topography of Oxford, can be obtained from the official guidebook of Oxford. Uh. And I may add that I had the good fortune to be at Cambridge.
5: Good day. I bet you're all thinking I'm going to talk about Goodbye, Mr. Chips now. Well, as much as I adore that film, you've probably all seen it. So I'm going to whisk you away to the 19th century for the adventures of Tom Brown's school days from 1914.
8: Do you know rugby by any chance?
0: Lord, bless you, sir. I go through it every day of my life.
8: What sort of place is it, please?
0: Slow place, sir. Very slow. Only three coaches a day and one of them a two-horse one, more like us and a coach. Uh, Belong to the school, sir? Oh, that's to say, I'm a new boy. Oh, I thought as much nice, quiet gentlemen gentleman like you.
8: Are the other boys pretty wild?
0: Wild! We can get into all kinds of rows along the road, what with their ordering and their pea-shooters and so forth. I've got a pea-shooter. Yes, I see you have. or well, they say you'll be as big a varmint as the rest. <laughs>
5: Jimmy Lydon stars as Tom Brown, the scrawny new kid who's just arrived at the deeply traditional rugby school in Warwickshire. A boy who's spent his life so far being mollycoddled by his family and who's about to do some serious growing up. As the title suggests, we follow Tom from his nervous first day to his triumphant graduation day as he makes and loses friends suffers tragedies, goes from zero to hero and zero again, and as he takes on the most terrifying school bully of them all, Flashman.
8: Oh, uh, hello, Flashman. Oh, uh, hello, East. Do these Latin verses for me. If I must. And just why didn't you come when I called? Because you're not in the sixth form and you've got no right to fag us. Oh, I haven't, haven't I? Oh, you leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> And why must I leave him alone, my little man? Because it's bullying, that's what it is. And Mr. Brown doesn't approve of bullying. No, of course I don't. On second thought, you'd better do the verses. A bright boy like you, and do them at once. Must turn them in before third lesson
5: everyone is really good in this movie especially sir cedric hardwick as thomas arnold who in real life was the headmaster of rugby school the book that this film was based on was a very thinly disguised memoir of author thomas hughes's experience at rugby school anyway as i say everyone is very good in this film but towering over them all is billy Hallop as flashman the bully <laughs> What an amazing villain he is in this movie. I've never booed and hissed a character quite as much as I have while I'm watching him in action here. A complete bounder, an absolute rotter, and he is bloody brilliant at it. Great English accent, too. It's funny, really, because he was never as good when he was part of the Dead End Kids. Perhaps he felt as though he didn't have to try so hard because they were all pretty bad actors. Still, he's excellent here, so props to you, Mr Hallop. As for the story itself, well, very much like a yank at Oxford, the story is quite thin. It's more of a series of vignettes. We see Tom trying to make friends, Tom being bullied, Tom forming alliances and taking on the bullies and becoming a man. And really, isn't that what you want? from a school film. You don't want to see the drama of a school facing closure or the story of a school trying to raise money to buy a new statue. You want fights and you want fun and you want best friends and you want hijinks and you certainly get it all here. There were other versions of this story, other very good versions I might add. The 1951 version in particular is very, very good. But this one for me gets that blend of Hollywood charm and rat-a-tat-tat storytelling just right. Go and check it out. In fact, you can check it out over at attaboyclarence.com because it's the new film club choice. Anyway, before you do that, I have a rather special treat for you. I mentioned earlier my adoration for the film Goodbye Mr. Chips. Well, of course, it was adapted for radio because why wouldn't you do that? The Lux Radio Theatre did a great one starring Laurence Olivier and Edna Best and I almost picked that one for you, but then my attention was drawn to a version from the Screen Guild Theatre. Which starred Greer Garson as Mrs. Chipping, reprising her role from the movie. And as Mr. Chipping, get this, Basil. Well, that was too delicious a prospect to pass up, so although this is a slightly truncated version of the story running to just half an hour, and although the sound quality isn't the best I've ever heard, it gives me all kinds of pleasures to be able to lay at your feet the Screen Guild Theatre's presentation of the classic tale, Goodbye Mr. Chips, starring the wonderful Greer Garson and the one and only Mr. Basil Rathbone. Get those hankies ready.
3: The Gulf Screen Guild Theatre. Presenting the story, Goodbye Mr Chips. And here is your host, the director of the star's own theatre, Roger Pryor.
1: Good evening everyone. Your neighborhood good Gulf dealer and the Gulf Oil Companies welcome you again to the Gulf Screen Gill Theater. Tonight, it pleases me more than I can tell you to present here one of the most beautiful stories of all time, James Hilton's Goodbye, Mr. Chips, starring Basil Rathbone and that beloved Mrs. Chips, Greer Garson.
7: Speaking for myself, Roger, it pleases me more than I can tell you to be here, and I am delighted that Basil Rathbone is to play Mr. Chips. I think when our story is finished tonight, you will all agree that he has given one of the finest radio performances of this or any year.
1: Thank you, Greer. Ladies and gentlemen, in just a moment, our curtain will rise on the Gulf Screen Guild Theatre presentation of Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Meanwhile, Bud Easton wants to remind you of something. All right, Bud. Folks, you've
3: probably been preparing for this fall weather in lots of ways. For instance, getting out your overcoats and sweaters and such things. Well, don't forget to prepare your automobiles, too. Now's the time to change that dirty, worn-out summer oil for a crankcase full of the right seasonal grade of Gulf Lube motor oil. Gulf Lube is the finest motor oil Gulf has ever sold at a regular price. It's refined by the exclusive multisol process. It resists the formation of sludge, helps prevent hard carbon deposits, and gives you surprisingly long mileage. And folks, when you change to Gulf Lube motor oil, here's something else it will pay you to do at the same time. Protect the wearing points in the chassis and running gear of your car with Gulflex Registered Lubrication, the newest and most scientific lubrication in the market today. Yes, let the golf man protect your car in these two ways with Gulflex Registered Lubrication and Gulf Lube
1: Motor Oil. Right you are, bud. And now Oscar Bradley's music opens our story tonight and you'll hear Basil Rathbone and Greer Garson in Goodbye, Mr. Chips. heart of that green island that is forever England, stands Brookfield School, founded 1492. Old walls, old buildings, old oaks, all sleeping in the peace of a September afternoon. And sleeping, too, in the bedroom of a house on a historic quadrangle is an old, old man. There's nothing remarkable about him. He owns no shining medals for valor. He's accumulated no great wealth. He's accomplished no heroic deed that will be recorded in the books of history, and yet, throughout the length and breadth of England, people speak his name. Bad news, Ashley, but I thought you'd want to know. Now, go to Brookfield by the first
6: train. Cancel all my appointments and say I've gone to see Chips.
0: Prime Minister cannot be disturbed, Sir William. Oh, yes, he can. You tell him Chips of Brookfield is dying.
1: He'll listen. Yes, that's what everyone calls him, Old Chips. Or, more formally, Mr. Chipping, beloved master emeritus of Brookfield School. The white head turns on the pillow, Mm. and Chips smiles in his Mm -hmm. sleep. Of what is he dreaming? Of textbooks and chapel bells, of roll calls and scuffling feet, of names half forgotten, of events long ago, perhaps dreaming of the desolate figure of an unpopular middle-aged teacher... ...as he stands in the schoolyard on the closing day of a school term. Dream on, brother,
7: Turner, well. What,
6: Wild. Very well. Class
4: is dismissed. Incidentally, I want Uh-oh. to be... sure. isn't it wonderful? No more Latin, no more grief. I'm going to burn all my
7: books and swim till I go thin. Oh, well. Now, Chippy, now,
3: Chippy, wait.
4: What? Oh, hello, Max. A shipping look. Just see what I have here. A cake. Where did you get it? A present to the professor from my German class. It's a beauty, no? Yes, indeed, Max. What did you get from your class? I? Oh, uh, nothing. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm glad the summer's here. I will miss the young devil stuff. Uh, Where do you go for your holiday? Oh, Harrogate as usual. Harrogate? Her- okay. Yes, I've been going there for 19 summers. Ever since I came here to teach at Brookfield, it's quiet and... Uh, it's convenient and economical. Oh, but gate is a resort for rheumatic old ladies. Oh, oh, oh no, really, Matt. Look here, why don't you come with me,
6: huh? With you? Yeah, I'm taking a walking trip through the Alps, over the Tyrol, into my country. Austria.
4: Oh, no, no, no. It's very kind of you, Max, but uh, really it's quite out of the question, quite impossible. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Chippin. Yes, Jinks. Uh, the headmaster's compliments, and he'd like to see you in his study right away. Oh, thank you, Jinks. I hope it's good news, sir. Thank you. I, uh, excuse me, will you, Max? This may be something very important to me. Well, I can guess what it is. You are going to be promoted to housemaster for next term. I think so. I hope so. Of course you are. Congratulations. And now you must take this trip to with me to the Tyrol to oh, no, them, no, huh? no, no. As a housemaster, that wouldn't be quite well. It wouldn't be quite dignified. Oh. And I, I, uh, you know, I, I, uh, and I must think of that, you know, because, well, I, I, I'd better not keep chatting with <laughs> him. Now, don't be nervous. Look him straight. There. Oh, I shall, I shall indeed. Uh, goodbye, Max. Au ah, A housemaster... Think of that. A housemaster at Brookfield.
3: I want you to understand, Mr. Chipping, this is immensely difficult for me. But frankly, the board of school governors feels that any man in the housemaster post should be popular with the boys. That's why, in spite of the fact that you were in line for the position, we decided on Farrington. Yes, I see. This is a very great disappointment. Mr. Chatteris. I... I... I seem
4: to have been a failure here, and I don't quite know why.
3: Now, Mr. Chipping... When I came
4: to Brookfield, I'd never talked before. It was the big chance of my life. Teaching was my great ambition. I was fiercely determined to succeed. But somehow, from the very first day, I missed the trick of getting the boys or anyone else to like me instead of a friend a teacher i've become well just a just a disciplinarian
3: the board has no complaint to make about your work mr chipping we would like you to remain in your present post if that is agreeable yes oh yes yes of course it has to be agreeable doesn't it
4: do you know of another school that would accept a teacher who has got nowhere in 19 years Uh, thank you for your consideration mr chatteris and good day
3: have a nice holiday mr chipping you're going to Harrogate as usual, I suppose.
4: Harrogate, you—you you do know all about me, don't you, Mister Chatteris? Ever since the day I came here, you've known what I thought, what I felt, and how I'd turn out.
3: Now, Mr. Chim- ah, but this
4: time you're wrong. I'm not going to Harrogate. I'm going abroad on a walking tour. Yes, Mister Chatteris, I—I feel I need a change. And by this time next week, who knows? I may be climbing the Alps. <laughs> Long turn back there where the trails come together. A man my age has no business climbing the Alps all alone. Should have stayed back at the inn with Max. Oh dear, oh dear! Now I am in a hole. Fog thick as pea soup. It's getting dark and oh, it's infernally cold. Oh, oh, oh. oh dear! The safest thing to do is to stay here and not move until Max or someone comes after me. Hello? Hello? Extraordinary echo. Hello. Hello. Well that's very strange. Where are you? Well in all my experience, good heavens, it's not an echo. I mean, where are you? It's a woman. Hello. Are you in danger? Stay right where you are. Don't be frightened. I'm coming. Hello. Huh. Hello. She isn't She must have fallen. Hello. Hello. Hello.
7: What? Oh, hello. Are you? Uh, you all right? Oh yes, quite. Thanks. This fog's rather a nuisance, isn't it? You shouldn't be moving about. You know, it's very foolish of you.
4: Foolish? I heard you call, and I thought you were in some difficulty.
7: What do you mean? You climbed up here in this fog to rescue me? Yes, indeed. I've never heard of such stupidity. Well, I'm probably a much better climber than you are. Then what were you screaming about? I wasn't screaming. I well, I, uh, I just let out a shout at random, trying the echo, you know. Oh, really? It was idiotic of you to take such a risk, and and rather wonderful. Oh, oh not at all. Well, anyhow, I'm awfully glad you came. It, it was going to be very lonely. Won't you sit down? This rock is quite comfortable, as rocks go. Oh, yes.
4: My uh my name is uh, is chipping.
7: Mine's Ellis. Catherine Ellis. Have a sandwich? Oh have you uh Oh yes, loads of them, yes.
4: Well, thank you. I I am hungry.
7: That one's um, ham.
4: Yes. Uh pardon. Very good too.
7: I'm sorry I wasn't in any danger.
4: It was rather inconsiderate of you. What's doing alone on a mountain?
7: My friend didn't feel like climbing, so I left her down at the inn. We're bicycling bicycling yes do have another sandwich
4: oh, thank you good heavens i i didn't know that ladies wrote those awful things i'm afraid they do mr chipping with one leg uh, I, I beg your pardon i mean uh, one limb on either side of a saddle
7: now how could anyone ride a bicycle side but, uh, but, but what happens to your to your dress oh they uh, they breed female bicycles now didn't you know
4: really ladies riding bicycles it's quite daring isn't it no not at all. Well, uh, being a schoolmaster, I may be a bit old-fashioned. You see, I've never been what they called a a, a ladies' man.
7: Afraid of them? Terrified. Oh, not of me, I hope. No. No, it's it, it's very strange, but I'm not. Perhaps it's the
4: altitude. Uh, tell me, do you experience a sort of uh, oh, a sort of exhilaration? Definitely. As though we owned the mountain. Every stone of it. We're pretty superior persons. We're gods. Yes. Yes, it must be the altitude. Uh, yes, yes, we'd better start getting off this mountain at once.
7: What, in all this fog?
4: Well, we've got to get back to the inn. It'll soon be night.
7: Well, what are you saying? Why, we both miss the part and be killed. I'm staying here. But it's
4: damp. It's cold. Yes, isn't it? I'm freezing. Oh, dear me, dear me. How rude of me. Here, uh, you uh, take my coat.
7: What, and leave you unprotected? Of course not. Oh,
4: I'm warm enough. Really, I am. No,
7: no, I have a much better idea. It's a big coat, and, and we'll share it. Oh, like this. see. <laughs> now, really. There. Well, there's nothing wrong with this, is there? Cozy,
4: isn't it? But what happens, Miss Ellis? Suppose someone were to see you. What would they think? What could they think?
7: Now, who's going to see us away up here on a mountain? May as well face it, Mr. Chipping. We're here for the night. Oh, Oh, I'm sure someone will discover
4: us before morning. They've got to rescue us before morning. And what if they don't, Mr. Chipping? Well, 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 in, in that case, Miss Ellis, as you said... I suppose we'll just have to face it. What are you doing out of the
7: balcony, Catherine? I'm looking up at my mountain, Flora, in the moonlight. I should think after last night you'd have seen enough of it. It's going to be rather a thrilling memory when our vacation is over. It is a pity your knight Aaron was such an old stick in the mud. He's not old, Flora, and I think he's. he's quite charming. Why, Catherine? Oh, that doesn't mean I'm in love with him, of course. Well, that's fortunate, because his friend just told me they were leaving for Vienna tomorrow. Oh, oh he did? I wonder why your Mr. Chipping didn't look in to say goodbye. Oh, he's. he's terribly shy. I'm always so sorry for shy people, aren't you? Must be so lonely sometimes. Flora? Yes. How far is it to Vienna by bicycle? Isn't it a most amazing coincidence our meeting in Vienna, Mr. Chipping? You know, you were the very last person on earth I expected to see.
4: Believe me, it's the most wonderful thing that ever happened to me, Miss Ellis. Oh, uh, oh, waiter. Yes, sir? Uh, some wine, please. Oh, no, 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 no. Look, bring a champagne. Yes, sir. Perhaps Paul Roger, 1865. Oh, Jimmy, no. Nothing as old as that. We want something fresh, the very best.
7: Fresh? Uh,
4: yeah. I feel like a little
7: girl at her first
4: party. So do I. Oh, uh, well, that is... I mean, of course, I feel like a small boy. <laughs>
7: Perhaps we feel young because this room is so old. Did you know that the Treaty of the Five Kingdoms was drawn up here nearly a hundred years ago?
4: I shall always think of it as the place where I dined with, well, with you. Thank you. And I shall never forget they were playing the blue danube waltz.
7: Wouldn't you like to remember that you danced to it?
4: Dance. I? Of course. Oh, no, 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 I, I couldn't possibly. Why not? Well, I haven't danced for years.
7: Then it's high time you started again.
4: Oh, no, not 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 before all those people. Well, of course, if you
7: really don't want to. Oh,
4: it's not that. It's, uh, I, I do want to. It would have been
7: fun to remember.
4: Yes. Yes, it would. But, uh, Miss Ellis.
7: Yes, Mr. Kitty.
4: Uh, may I have the pleasure of this dance?
7: Oh, yes, you darling. <laughs> You see, you haven't forgotten what you've done beautifully. Thank you. Now, reverse. Reverse?
4: Oh, I, I don't believe I That's could.
7: That's it. you see how easily it's done? Yes, by heavens, I did make it, didn't I? I haven't had such fun in years. Neither have I. The it has to end so soon. So soon? Yes. <laughs> I have to start for home tomorrow. Oh, but look here, yeah, you can't. You... Reverse. Hey, what? Oh, yes. I shall have so much to remember when I get home. Oh. So shall I. Marvellous memory. Uh,
4: Miss Ellis, Kathy, uh, uh, there's something I'd like to ask you.
7: Yes, Mr. Chippy.
4: Of course, it's uh, it's very presumptuous of me. I, I couldn't possibly expect a favourable answer. Why? What is it? Well, well, it's, it's this. I, I haven't much to offer, but uh, would you consider? Yes, Mr. Chippy. Uh, could you? That is, uh, would you? Would you consider trying that dance step again? Reversed, Miss Cathy. The, train, the train's about ready to start, Cathy. What time do you get to London? Oh, dear me, yes, of course I asked that before, didn't I?
7: Yes. Oh, isn't saying goodbye awful?
4: Yes, yes, isn't it?
7: I mean, it's so, it's so, uh...
4: Yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. There, there, the train's starting to move. Jump on, Cathy. Yes, oh
7: yes. Goodbye, Mr. Chip. And when you're remembering, please remember me, Mr. Smith. Goodbye. Goodbye. Miss Ellis? Cathy,
0: wait! Cathy! Cathy, do you hear me? Yes!
7: Don't fall
0: under the train. You just kissed me, you know.
7: I know, wasn't dreadful to love. Well, I look was. here.
4: You will have to marry
0: me now.
7: Oh,
4: do you love me? Oh, frightfully, do you?
7: Gratefully. Goodbye, kiss darling. Goodbye.
3: Kathy, Kathy, wait. I'll meet you in London. Wait for me. Oh. I say, this is a dirty trick on your part, Max, getting <laughs> us here to meet the newlyweds. Yes, any girl who'd marry Chipping must be afraid. Chipping's bad enough, but now we'll have to put up with a Mrs. Chipping too. To
0: come up and stay up.
3: Put that tea away, Max. Yes, let's shorten your deal as much as possible.
4: And, Max, for heaven's sake, don't ask them to sit and stay. Ah. Come in, Chippy.
0: Oh, hello, everyone. Hey, hello. hello.
4: You can only stay a moment, Max. Uh, come in, Kathy. Thank you. Uh... These are my colleagues, my dear.
7: How do you do? Oh, it's so nice to meet you all, and um, just a little terrifying. Chips told me how distinguished you all are.
4: Chips? Oh, Kathy, really? Uh, just a nickname she's given me, fellows.
3: I won't. Chips? Why didn't we think of that? Please oh, sit oh, yeah. down, Mrs. Yes, oh, please have a chair. Sit oh, here, yeah. chipped, old man. It's good to see you again. Oh, Max, for heaven's sake, where are your manners? Aren't you going to give the chipping some tea? you, Mrs. Chipping.
7: It was a jolly party, Mrs. Chipping.
3: The girls were wonderful. Goodbye,
7: Mr. Chip. I mean, Mrs. Chipping. Goodbye, boys. I haven't enjoyed a party so much for ages. Goodbye, boys. Hurry now to assembly or you'll be late. Bye. 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 <laughs> what a nice lot of boys they are.
4: Yes, yes. Your idea of giving a party for them was a good one. But, uh, my dear, what authority will I have in my classes after such an affair?
7: Ten times more, Chip, because they'll know you as a friend,
4: Know me as a friend. Oh, Cathy, how I wish they would.
7: They will. You wait and see, Chip.
4: Cathy, where are you? Oh, the most glorious news. Wilkinson is leaving, and I've been advanced to housemaster. Do you can prepare yourself. Beginning next term, my salary goes up 20 pounds. So where shall we spend this summer? What that's wonderful news, Chief. Thanks, old man. I wanted you to be the first to know. Of course. I hope it will be a boy. So do we both. Kathy and I would like him to go to Br- Brookfield, you know. <laughs> Kathy, darling.
7: I'm so sorry. So sorry the way things turned out.
4: That doesn't matter, darling.
7: The doctor said that it, it would have been a boy.
4: You're all I care about. Chips. You mustn't talk.
7: I'm I'm. I'm going
4: away. After... No, no. Of course not, Kathy. I couldn't live without you. Oh, Chips. I've been so happy.
7: No one's ever been so happy.
8: Ever.
4: Darling.
7: Dearest. Will you make me a promise? Yes. Yes, Kathy. You will carry on. Even if I'm not here. Won't you? Kathy, I... The boys, Jeff. The boys of Brookfield. They're the only children we... I can't do it. I can't do it, Kathy. Please. I promise.
4: All right. I promise.
7: Say. No matter what happens, I shall carry on at Brookfield. Always.
4: No matter no matter what happens, I shall carry on at Brookfield. But always.
7: Now, now tell me. I want to see if you remember how we met, what we did, and how how we fell in love.
4: Well... Well, uh, once upon a time, there was a very lonely teacher, and he went... he went... he went to Switzerland. There he met a beautiful girl on a mountain top. In Vienna they danced all night and fell in love. And Kathy Kathy, do you hear me? Kathy.
7: Oh Cathy!
4: Cathy! Cathy! <laughs> please come to order.
3: Did you
7: hear? Mrs. Chips is dead.
4: Turn to, uh, to page 29.
7: I T tea last week.
4: The, uh, first paragraph at the top of the page.
7: I don't know what Chips will do without her.
4: Collie, will you begin the translation?
7: Yes, sir. In every age, barbarians have oppressed. Have oppressed.
4: Go on, Collie. Yes, sir. Have oppressed. Oh, my God. I can't. Collie, Collie, please. I know how you feel, but we must go on. That's what she wanted. For all of us to carry on at Brookfield for always. Now, now, come, Collie. Lead with me. In every age, the barbarians have oppressed the peaceful nations all, all over, over
7: the, world, the
4: world
3: who neglect and
1: Went on through the years as he had promised. He saw three generations come and go. He became headmaster of Brookfield and was the most honored, most loved man the great school had ever known. Then, in his 85th year, he retired. And now, mourned by all of England, old Chips is dying. A doctor and the present headmaster of Brookfield are in his room. Chips' eyes open slowly as their voices come to his
3: Remarkable character, Marsham. A great character, Doctor. I knew him and I knew his wife.
0: She died many years ago, I understand. Yes, that's her picture there on the table by his bed. Ah, lovely head. Pity he never had any children. Yes, mm-hmm. not uh, what? What was that
3: you said about me? For nothing, Chips. We we were just talking and waiting for you to come out of that beauty sleep of yours. Mm-hmm.
4: No, I heard you. You said it was a pity. I had no children. But
7: I have. You know, I have thousands of them. And all boys.
3: Chips. Chips. He doesn't seem to hear you. Is it the end of the... I'm afraid so.
7: And wonderful. No oh,
4: hall, I've kept my promise, Kathy. I've carried on, my dear. I've carried on, Kathy. Oh, it's been such a long time without you, Kathy. Such a long, long time. The job's finished, Kathy. It's done.
5: Was the stupendous Basil Rathbone and Greer Garson in Goodbye, Mr. Chips? Love that version. And I really like that little touch at the end there, beautifully done. Well, I was going to make an announcement this week about some very exciting developments that have been taking place during the past fortnight, but as I started recording this show today, I received official instructions asking me not to spill any beans just for now. Apparently a few things left to etch in stone. So hopefully, next time I'll have news... The only thing I am allowed to tell you is that because of what is happening, work is being slightly delayed on Bullets and Blood Part 3. I was hoping to get it out by the end of the summer. That's looking more like an end of autumn kind of thing now. I do apologise, but I'm sure you'll understand that I've had to grab this opportunity with both hands. Bullets and Blood 3 is going really well, I might add, and it pains me to press pause on it. But I will get straight back on it like a car bonnet at the earliest available opportunity, I promise. Okay, let's go straight to the prize draw then. One of you has won a remastered version of Orson Welles' The War of the Worlds on CD. I have it here ready to send. So I start the random generator to pick a name from the tons of you who entered. And it chooses... Thomas Pike. Mr. Thomas Pike, you have won this thing. I will tag you on Facebook to tell you. So send me your address and I'll get this into the post for you forthwith. I have more competitions coming up, so don't wail in despair if you didn't win. The prizes will be flowing thick and fast from now on. In fact, if you're a patron of the shows, then I have an amazing prize to give away in the next week or so. To celebrate the centenary of Olivia de Havilland, her memoir, Every Frenchman Has One, has just been republished. It's been out of print for like a gazillion years and I have a brand new hardback copy of that very book to give to someone all you have to do to be in the draw to win it is to be a patron doesn't matter how much you're pledging a month could be a single dollar could be more everyone gets put into the draw that's got to be worth a dollar hasn't it and the prize draws will be happening every month from now on i have some awesome stuff to give away If you're already a patron, then well done. And if you're not, you can sign up. Takes about 30 seconds to do so. Very easy. Just listen on at the end of this show for details. And remember, the quicker you sign up, the less people there'll be in the drawer. So the better your chances will be. Anyway, that is it for me this time. Thank you for spending your time with me. Always wonderful to sit in your ears like the little fishing boy on the DreamWorks logo. Well, until we speak again, do take very good care of yourselves. And bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month. And in return, you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and ebooks. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you.
1: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.